I'm your host, Nick Ginsberg, and you're listening to The Open Drive, a podcast focusing on authentic living and defining your own path against the odds. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Open Drive. As always, I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for listening and joining me on this journey. I'm super grateful for you all. Uh, It means the world. And while we're on that topic, I do want this to be very much a two-way conversation. I know that seems a bit odd because it's a podcast and literally it's just you listening to me talk, but I would love it for you to come over, follow me on Instagram and shoot me a DM Say hi, tell me a bit about yourself, your life, uh, anything you found interesting in any of the episodes. I would love to have those conversations and it's actually some of my favourite things to do. So I do have people that send me their favourite parts of each episode and I love talking about those because also I can talk a bit more freely and I can, people ask me questions and it's fun. So please make sure you do that if you feel like it. Um, So this month, so June is Pride Month. I'm very excited about that. I love Pride Month. I'm going to tell you everything I do for Pride Month in this episode. But before we do that, just a reminder that this podcast does sometimes cover some heavy themes. Today's probably going to be a bit lighter, but there are some heavy themes included. So We do talk about childhood trauma, we talk about addiction, we talk about mental health, uh, and uh, just fair warning that we do cover off a lot of those topics. And uh, But other than that, I think today is going to be a really fun episode because it's Pride and I want to share sort of my experience and uh, growing up in a family uh, like mine, I want to share what that was actually like because I think there's a lot of myths around uh, same-sex parents and all of that. So I want to kind of... Uh, shed all of those. So let's dive in. So for those that don't know, and if you are new here, hello, welcome. I was raised by two women. So my parents are lesbians, uh, shock horror, and uh, my mum, who I, so my birth mum, who I refer to as mum, and her partner Louise, uh, they raised me. And Obviously, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that my childhood wasn't great. Hence the warning at the beginning of the episode, to be frank. Uh, But their sexuality really had very little impact on that childhood trauma. So a lot of people assume that that, uh, children of same-sex parents without having certain role models really struggle much harder um, uh, throughout their childhood. And I can't speak for that. That is not my experience. I had, uh, in terms of parents and and their sexuality, that really didn't factor into much at all. Obviously, there were periods where their sexuality was the root to some of their bigger issues that they had, but th- their parenting wasn't determined by uh, their sexuality or anything like that. So, uh, but and I also come from a family that has a number of uh, members of the community in it. So my grandparents had three daughters. My mum is the middle child. My uh, older, uh, sorry, my mum's older sister uh, was also gay. My mum, obviously gay. Uh, My mum's older sister had two daughters. One of them's gay. Uh, Then obviously I'm gay. And then 
my so this uh, quote unquote i wish you could see me doing the air quotes uh, uh straight side of the family uh, so my auntie bub who i refer to quite a bit so that side of the family all straight up until my cousin's lease my cousin lisa's uh son so she has two sons one of them uh, is gay and uh living his best life really um so that's our family so we're quite a small family and there is a good portion of us that are gay. So uh, it was actually interesting. I spoke at a charity event uh, all about my life. So it was talking about creating your own path and having your past not define you, etc. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the questions that I got after it, so I like to speak, do what I do, and then I open the floor up to questions. I'm an open book, as you can tell from me doing this podcast. And one of the questions that I got was around the role of genetics in sexuality, but also other things. So mental health, addiction, etc. I love that question because I think there are still a good portion of people who aren't a member of the community who do think that being gay or being a part of the LGBTQ plus community is a choice, that it's a lifestyle choice. And it's not. Uh, I... There was never a period where I went, hey, I think I'm going to be gay. That was not what it was. And in fact, I fought against it or tried to fight against it for a really long time. And I think I've touched on this in a previous episode, maybe last year, but my mum knew I was gay, I'd think probably from birth, to be honest. And uh, the thing that she did, and she didn't handle it well for a number of reasons, but she would ask me, all the time, from when I was probably 11, 11 or 12, I was quite young, she would ask me regularly if I was gay and kept saying to me, it's okay if you're gay, just let me know, are you gay, it's okay, kind of thing. And what that did is push me so much further back into the closet. So I was already struggling with it. And remember, I'd been raised uh, by two women. So I had that view of... uh, lesbians that I I knew what I knew what they were I knew what it was there was no fear in that but coming to to being same-sex attracted to other men that was a whole different thing and something that I I actually really did uh struggle with internally and I used to keep saying to my keep saying to myself I'll come out next year I'll come out next year and I did that for years and then I was forced out of the closet uh uh, my mum read a letter that a pen pal had wrote me, um, and I'm not going to go into the details of the letter, but uh, she read that and called me downstairs and said, Nick, what is this? I, of course, was mortified. Then she said, it's okay if you're gay, just tell me. And I said, no, I'm bi, which, of course, was completely a lie. And uh, she said, no, you're not. And I went, you're right. No, I'm not. And then she cried. Uh, she sobbed and she sobbed and she sobbed. Now, given it's Pride Month, I think it's really important that I explain to you why she had that reaction and why I struggled with it, okay? So my mum was born in 1945. When she realised that she was gay and she was very much in the scene in Sydney, and these are all stories that she's told me, um, she struggled. And I think... A lot of her friends really struggled. Uh, She's had friends who committed suicide. She's had friends who were bashed up, um, chased down the street. 
these were much, 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 much different times. So much so that even when I was raised in the early 90s, uh, I knew instinctively to refer to mum as mum and Louise as Louise. And it wasn't because saying it was too hard to call them both mum. It was because if people were to ask, it'd be this is mum's friend. So a lot of people that didn't know us well would assume that mum was a single parent. I mean, I don't think they were fooling anyone. Um, you've seen the photos. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen the photos, head to my Instagram, you'll see them. Uh, but that was just a sign of the times. Also, I went to a Catholic primary school. I mean, my lesbian parents enrolled me a gay boy in Catholic primary school. I mean, if that's not the craziest thing you've ever heard, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what is. And so mum had really quite a rough view of the gay world because of her age and what she experienced at that point and and sort of throughout her early years. And one of the things that I think she was so terrified in particular for me, so there were two things. She didn't want me to have a harder life. And I get that. Um, Absolutely, I get that. There's this... uh, as a gay man or as anyone in the community, you are constantly having to come out. Even for me, I don't ever hide the fact that I'm gay, but there are people that I need to come out to. And that is by simply referring to Richard as my husband. So uh, uh, one, and and I'll touch on this in a second, but um, changing the language in the workplace or um, making sure that I'm visible, but an element of that is always coming out. So I I have to, and every single person in the community has to come out regularly. It is not uh, one main event uh, and then it's over and you can go on sort of skipping down the road. You have to come out all the time. And sure, the feelings probably aren't as magnified as what they were when you first came out. You still have some of those feelings. So if you're listening to this and you are part of the community, I'd love to know your thoughts on what I just said. Do you also feel that there is those uh, sort of, Uh, same feelings, but sort of milder each time you have to come out, be it at work or a new friend or a a new family member that's introduced. Um, Do you you sort of have those same feelings crop up regardless of how old you are and how long you've been quote unquote out of the closet? I'd love to hear. So please reach out to me if that is you. And then I think the other thing that Um, mum was really kind of fearful of, and this goes back to her experience in her 20s, late 20s or whatever it was, was she was terrified that I was going to become a drag queen um, or that I would be trans. And that was her really big, uh, genuine fear of hers. And I, I, I used to say to her, well, no, it's not something I plan on doing, but I used to keep sort of reminding her that that that's like, it's also okay if I, if I was, it's not a, it's not that much of a bigger deal and it's a much different world now, but she had uh, friends that were drag queens that were, they were bashed up. I mean, mum, were in the similar circles to people like Carlotta. And if you don't know who Carlotta is, please make sure you Google her. Uh, incredible. Um, but that kind of circle. And so she, she witnessed at firsthand how people were treating uh, anyone that was questioning gender or that liked to uh, entertain uh, in that art form of drag. So she was terrified of that. Even sort of 
well after I came out, sort of four or five years after, I actually remember one of the nights and I went out clubbing and I came back and I think I had glitter. I mean, it's a gay club. Of course I had glitter, but there was glitter probably on my face or in my hair. or I don't know. Um, you never know where it gets. And she grilled me the next morning. Did you, uh, did you try drag? No. I mean, look, I've been at home and like every single person, regardless of whether or not you're in the community, you try on other people's clothes. I have 100% done that and had the time of my life at a friend's place for a party wearing someone's skirt. Was it pretty? No, <laughs> but it was fun. So I just, she really struggled with that. that. And that was very much deep internalized homophobia, I think, just from her age and her generation. And it was very hard for her to kind of move through that. Where interestingly, Louise was not like that. So when I was a kid, um, I loved Barbies, like really loved them. I loved playing with their hair. I loved making them clothes. I used to cut up old t-shirts and hand sew. Um, <laughs> wow, could not get any gayer. I used to hand sew um, garments for the Barbies. And uh, Louise would enable that. And I loved that she did that because it uh, really helped my creative brain develop and uh, she made me feel safe in doing that. And she would often do it behind mum's back. So like mum would want me to play with cars and trucks and do all of that stuff. Whereas Louise is like, I'd be like, can I have a Barbie? She'd go, yes, sure. Don't tell your mother. And then <laughs> I would hide it. Of course, I could never hide anything from mum. Even when she was drunk, I could never hide anything from mum. So, uh, so that, yeah, I mean, that was, that was, uh, uh, fun. I used to get to do that. So look, it was a very kind of chalk and cheese type stuff. And Louise was much more uh, accepting. And um, uh, I don't think she struggled as much with that internalized homophobia as what mum did. So um, a very interesting juxtaposition because of how they were outside of that issue. So outside of the, 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 the quote unquote sort of gay issue, they were flipped so mum was very much my safe space uh, outside of that. But then it kind of flipped on its head when it came to, to anything that related to being gay or anything like that. The thing now I want to touch on. So as I came out and I grew up and got comfortable and everything was great. Um, one thing I think a lot of people forget, unless you've done something like ally training or uh, any kind of training in this area, you you probably aren't aware of this unless you're part of the community. But uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community are constantly assessing if a space is safe for them. So when I first started at Monash, and this is um, very much a true story, super, super, super true. When I first started at Monash, you look for signals as to whether or not it is safe for you to come out and be yourself. Okay, so I looked at uh, the people around me. Were anybody making gay jokes? Uh, did anybody seem actively against uh, me? <laughs> uh, I would look at what training and development they had. And Monash has been incredible in this space. So we have a really fantastic ally network. Uh, we have a diversity and inclusion committee, which is uh, very quite high level. And then there's a diverse genders, sexes and sexualities committee, which I'm a part of, advisory group, sorry. And 
I mean, to have something like that in a workplace is so incredible. And to have people be able to be themselves and be visible is really important. The other thing that we have, so I touched on, we've got the Ally Network, which is essentially anyone, whether you're a part of the community or not, if you want to uh, be there as a visible beacon for someone who may be struggling, be it a staff member or a student, your name is listed on this website and people can reach out to you. And I love it. I'm a very proud ally um, as part of the network and obviously I'm a member of the community. And so I think it's really important for us to be visible. And that leads me to when we got married. So when my husband and I got married, and I think I may have told this story before, but if I if I have, um, just go along with it. So um, my husband and I got married in March of 2018 and... We had got in, we had gotten engaged and planned our wedding before the plebiscite was even a, an idea. And what what happened? So we we managed to the plebiscite happened, gay marriage passed, and we were one of the first people to get the the sort of the marriage license type thing. And uh, yeah, and we were definitely the first legal same sex wedding for the venue, the celebrant, the musician, uh, the photographer. Um, who else, uh, for the, I think for the cake, uh, the wedding cake people, the flowers, uh, you name it. It was almost everyone. We were the first legal, right? And that meant emotions were quite high and it was very exciting and all of that. And so we had an incredible wedding day, a uh, really, really, really incredible wedding day. Then, um, when I got to work, I changed. So I, I made the decision to change my surname. Uh, I, I didn't feel a strong tie to my previous surname. And also, we would like to have kids at some point uh, if we're lucky enough. And if that is the case, I would like us to have one family name. And uh, that family name, we chose to be Richard's surname. So I changed my surname. And when I got to work and I changed my surname and whatnot... There were, a, there were a group of people that thought it was more likely that my boss had found another male executive assistant called Nick than I'd changed my name. And these are people that are absolutely not homophobic or anything like that. They are very um, big allies, but this ingrained notion of what happens after a wedding uh sort of that community standard, I would say, people find it so hard to break away from. And so, yeah, it um, people were sort of gobsmacked that I changed my surname. And, um, and a lot of the times uh, people, particularly in the early months, and remember uh, there are some people at the university who, um, and everyone's very accepting, but they, they, they've lived in a different generation. And so I would have some professors say to me, what does your wife do? Cause I'd see my wedding ring. And I would say, oh, my husband runs his own business. I'd go into it a bit more, but that's what I would say. And then they'd go, oh, I'm so sorry. And I, no, 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 that's totally fine. It's all good. Um, but I made sure that I did that. And I never felt like I was being uh, attacked or it was a malicious thing, nothing like that at all, but it's about changing the language. So helping people understand that there are different versions of a family unit with or without kids. Um, and so 
it was really important to do that. So I've made sure that I've changed the language and I'm very proud that I still keep doing that. Uh, people will often ask me um, how Ricky's doing or uh, they'll ask me about my husband. or So there's no more this assumption that I'm married to a woman, <laughs> which is good because, uh, yes, I love women, but no, thank you. I'm, I'm very good. And then I guess the last thing I would love for us to cover off on for this Pride episode is if you are someone that is struggling with your sexuality or you know someone that may be struggling with their sexuality, uh, I want to talk about this. So firstly, if you're someone struggling with your sexuality and you want to talk to someone, please feel free that you can uh, reach out to me. I'm very happy to talk to you. Uh, and if I can't answer your questions, so I'm a white gay man, if if I don't feel comfortable answering your questions, if your experiences would be greatly different to mine, I have people that I can put you in touch with. So please feel free to reach out to me. The other thing, if you think that you know someone that could be struggling with their sexuality, the best thing you can do is be around them and love them. Don't talk about it. Don't ask about it. Uh, don't pry don't try and get them to come out to you. Just let them feel loved and accepted. That's really all you need to do is make them feel like they are loved and accepted and in a safe space. Ensure you're using the terminology that is needed. We don't need to be gendering everything is an important one as well. So I will often refer to people by their name as opposed to their gender. Um, now it's just a safe thing that I like to do because... I don't think we can ever assume someone's gender identity. And so uh, that's what I do. So if you feel like someone is struggling on that side of things, refer to, the, refer to them by their name as opposed to uh, what their, their, their current gender is or how they, how they seem to present. You know what I mean? It's about making sure that you are creating a safe space because the reality is... Uh, we have really high, and I don't know the stats, but we have really high um, suicide rates within the community. Uh, we also have really high mental health rates, uh, mental health uh, crises within the community. And it's really important that we make people feel loved and accepted, regardless of what it is that they're going through or trying to discover. Um, being part of the community is not a choice. It's not a lifestyle. Uh, it is not an illness. And I think that's really, really, really important to drum home. It is not an illness. It is not a choice. It is not a lifestyle decision. Okay. So I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it as always. And I'm going to leave you with that. And I hope you have a fantastic day or night doing whatever it is you're doing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. And remember, head over to Instagram, follow me, drop me a line, say hi. I can't wait to talk to you. See you later, everyone. Bye.